Welcome to a fantastic edition of Rebellion's Educational Series. I'm here with a tech legend, Divya Narendra, to talk about one fantastic career from employing Mark Zuckerberg to starting SumZero to just being an absolute leader in the industry. Divya, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Alex. It was very generous of you to, uh, to say. Oh, no, you're 04 Harvard, right? Correct. Yeah, no, my, uh, my brothers were 02 and 97, and my god sister was 03. So the 04 class I actually know extremely well as well. A lot of great people there. And you met the Winklevi, uh, two guys who I've known since we were uh, you know, 12, 13 years old. At, uh, was it at Harvard you met them or was it before? Yeah, correct. I, you know, I had Spanish class with Cameron uh, when I was a freshman. And then uh, we, you know, Harvard has this like housing lottery uh, where, um, you know, you, you can sort of, you can select a group that you want to live in the same dorm with, but you can't select the dorm. We ended up in the same dorm, uh, Fortheimer House, uh, which is north of the yard. No, I know Fortheimer. My, uh, actually, my yeah. brother was there in 1993. Oh, cool. So, so we ended up in the same construction world. then it wasn't, it wasn't a good time. There was a lot of construction all over the place, but yeah. Yeah. They're always doing work. Uh, always. But, but I, I actually got to know the guys um, initially over music. You know, I was a, um, I, I played a lot of guitar growing up and um, by the time I got into college, I, I was in a pretty deep hard rock, heavy metal phase. And um, you know, Cameron was, was more of an acoustic guy. Uh, but, but we, um, you know, kind of, kind of shared a lot of uh, mutual interest musically, and uh, just sort of got to know each other as friends. Um, you know, Tyler as well. So it was, uh, it, it was, it was, it was, it was. I guess a, a, one thing led to another, but eventually we kind of uh, broached the, the topic of entrepreneurship, and you know, got to know each other in that context as well. So it's been a no, no the twins been have, over twenty years. Definitely, they've had entrepreneurial blood since as, as long as I've known them. So, do you remember the actual genesis of Connect You? Yeah, I, I was uh, just on the internet, like many college students, <laughs> and uh, started, you know, experimenting with um, uh, MySpace and some of the other existing social networks at the time. Um, you know, Friendster was was popular at the time, and it just—I had one of these light bulb moments where I realized that there was nothing, uh, you know, there was nothing really designed for the university experience and for students. And it, it became obvious very quickly that building uh, an online social network that um, vets applicants out by their email addresses to ensure that they're affiliated with a given university uh, was a, a simple yet very effective tool at ensuring that um, you know people would have something in common. Yeah, the dot .edu was uh, essential. The yeah. .edu extension was essential. Was was essential, and um, you know, it was just it, it was sort of uh, at the time felt like a no brainer. And so, you know, the twins being um, in my dorm, like I was like, "Hey guys, do you want to help help build this out?" Uh, and they were super excited. I didn't even know about you know, kind of their their um, their 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 deep interest in in entrepreneurship. But I think a lot of that comes from their dad. Who yeah, their dad's a mega brain, a really brilliant guy, um, smart guy, but also also a risk taker. You know, I think um, you know he had investments across real estate, insurance. I mean, he was a PhD, um, 
like actuarial. So I, I actually knew the the sist. I actually knew their sister first, and then I met uh, the twins after. The whole family is really fantastic. Um, I, uh, I, you know, really. Yeah, 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 and, and really, and, and very much into innovation and, and just kind of trying things. Well, how did and, you meet Mark Zuckerberg? How did he enter? Yeah, that? Zuckerberg, I met through uh, this guy. Um, uh, his name is Sora, but he was actually the brother of one of my friends from 04. So one of my 04 friends had a brother who was 06, uh, Mark's year. And that guy uh, was, um, we were just chatting one day about, you know, our hunt for engineers because we were struggling to find programmers who would be committed to building out ConnectU. And it's still oh, was, to this day, 2021. It's, it's, yeah, finding engineers is an incredibly difficult it uh, is indeed. undertaking. It's so, so anyway, so Sorb made the introduction and, uh, you know, we ended up meeting Mark um, at his dorm. Uh, this would have been in my junior year. And, you know, the rest is, is sort of well-documented and um, has become a little bit of tech folklore <laughs> at this point. Um, Do you think the movie was true to the essence of your memories, at least? Uh, I mean, within sort of reasonable degrees of poetic license, yes. Uh, obviously, it was heavily dramatized, uh, but I think that's okay. Were you at an acapella uh, concert when you found out about it? No, no. I found out about it through a, another kid in my dorm. He was 05, a year below me, who just pulled it. Um, he just opened up the crimson which May is uh, who, that was? who that was oh, it was like a guy named michael jaffe um so this is not part of uh yeah. the the uh the official record on <laughs> how all of this went down but that's how i originally found out no oh, yeah oh five uh is another year of a lot of great kids i probably friends with maybe 25 percent of the oh five class actually but um uh you know michael jaffe sounds like a name uh from the past so uh no falling down an acapella concert. When you and the twins met, uh, you know, was the game plan just to go through lawyers or did you want to talk to him? Yeah, we, 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 we did reach out um, to no avail, but uh, ultimately we really had no recourse other than, um, than litigation. We also, as, as you saw, or if you remember from the film, uh, the three of us did meet with, with Larry Summers. I think in the film, the scene actually only had the twins at that meeting, but I was there as well. And, uh, you know, I think the film captured the essence fairly well, which I'd was what total are your, apathy on the part of Larry Summers. What's your top memory from the Larry Summers meeting? Just like the general apathy. It was kind of like, you know, it was sort of like, you guys will come up with something else. Uh, this isn't our problem. Oh. Like the whatever was in the student handbook, which is what we were relying on um, as sort of the- No, no, yeah. without a doubt. When you enroll at a school, whether it's my alma mater, Amherst College or Harvard University, you take an oath with that school. So when you engage in endeavors with either professors or other students, that's you know under the guise of the school you're currently enrolled at. Uh, so, you know, for, you know, Larry Summers, I guess at the end of the day, was really just a, a political appointee who cared not for anything but his own career. Um, yeah, and it didn't work out. Uh, it didn't work out so uh, so well for him, at least at Harvard. I mean, like, he was able to obviously parlay his background to 
very lucrative positions after leaving Harvard, but um, or after 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 stepping down as president. But um, well, he made the sexist comments, I know, which obviously. Made yeah, he, you know, I think I think the school's professors carry a lot of weight at, no. as far as, you know, um, you know, just just who the president is and, and what that president's able to do. And um, he, he definitely kind of rubbed shoulders with 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 you know, a number of faculty the wrong way. And, you know, I think ultimately um, he had to step down. But, I mean, speaking to our interaction, it was sort of like, yes, there's a handbook, but there's no real enforcement mechanism. Go work on something else. Good luck. You know, <laughs> it was very short and um, sobering. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, life can definitely deal you cards that. Yeah, yeah, kind of but, but overall, it was an incredible roller coaster ride, and and you know, I, none of us looked back. Uh, obviously, I ended up um, just getting a job, and then I spent a couple years in in graduate school pursuing a JD MBA. Started some zero. The twins ended up um, rowing in Beijing uh, as a pair. Um, did did really well um, representing the United States, um, and have since done incredible things with, with crypto, um, you know, including launching Gemini. No, they, they, call, is, they call it crypto. Crypto is a absolute call. Uh, they, they were pushing that at like 10 bucks, 15 bucks a share. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember when the New York times article came out, I think it was like 2013 or something where they had, um, been reported to own like a percent or something of the entire supply of, of Bitcoin. Um, but, you know, Bitcoin only scratches the surface of what's happening in in the crypto revolution, and uh, you know, I think they're they've been very supportive of all of the different um, you know, sort of initiatives within. Are you worried about countries outlawing crypto though, as a direct threat to their you know currency? Am I worried about that? Yeah, I mean, do you, do you see? China? Well, I, I, I think I think like the if you look at the world order, you have free countries, not so free countries, and countries in between. Yeah, and I think I think the countries that tend tend to have an mo of um, you know autocratic behavior are probably going to lean towards either outright bans or partial bans. But ultimately, the nature of the beast. Unless is, you're Iran, you need it because your own currency has got no floating power. So. Yeah, well, then there, there. I mean, I, I think I saw in the news. I think it was El Salvador, or, or so there was some Latin American country that was um, uh, sort of uh, just accepting uh, crypto all out. You know, they, they they kind of were all in. I think a lot of that has to do with um, just inflation risk in a lot of the a lot of these countries where. As founder you know, of Sum Zero, you obviously talked to just a huge amount of fund managers. Do you see most hedge fund managers embracing crypto in some extent? You know, I think at the, just to backtrack a little bit, um, maybe I should just explain what SumZero is because yeah, a lot of people aren't going to be familiar. Um, SumZero is an online community for uh, professional investors to share investment research. And so we have now over 20,000 analysts and portfolio managers who work at um, hedge funds, mutual funds, uh, private equity funds, even VC funds, as well as family offices that are using SumZero to exchange ideas. These ideas cover all asset classes, including um, equities, debt, crypto, um, and even uh, it, we're, you know, we're starting to work on kind of private 
uh, research on privately held companies as well, which is really interesting. But we're also making this content available to individual investors who are not working at funds. So it's a, you ever do any research on Rent the Runaway? I'd love to see it. It's my sister-in-law's uh, company, uh, Jenny Fleiss. She founded it when she was getting her MBA at Harvard, actually. Yes, yes. I'm very familiar with Rent the Runaway. Um, have had uh, girlfriends in the past who've used it for sure. <laughs> um, but so as far as uh, uh, the professionals on within the Sum Zero ecosystem goes, I think. Many of them work at funds where they currently don't have a mandate to purchase crypto. So a lot of them have started doing it individually. But one thing I have noticed is that um, people have been posting research on crypto on some zero. So one of the things that I think is noteworthy is that Wall Street, you know, traditional sell side institutions, Goldman Sachs, UBS, Credit Suisse, JP Morgan, et cetera, they don't have uh crypto research in any sort of meaningful way so they will come across like a new crypto such as helium something i saw on facebook actually yeah you're not going to see it written about on you know like at, at, at goldman sachs or morgan stanley no. you will find really really fascinating research uh even amongst the altcoins on some zero so what, what about private investors half a million to a million dollars in a schwab account do you think that some zero would be something that they should consider Oh, I think anybody who has an interest in investing uh, should be on some zero. And and uh, you know historically, we really only marketed some zero to professional investors. But earlier this year, we launched three different subscription tiers for individual investors, so that you know anyone can join. And you know our cheapest subscription is only three hundred fifty dollars a year. So it's like lunch money if you're uh, in, in you know out out in New York or something. Um, or, or dinner money, you know, it's kind of a night out in New York. Uh, and, uh, but, but whether you're kind of at that like $350 tier or you're, you're kind of at one of more expensive tiers, the quality of the content is the same. And what we're trying to push is rigorous, deep dive, fundamentally driven research that is a relief from what you see on TV, from all the, the pundits and talking heads and what you see, um, you know, on Reddit with Wall Street bets, but also what, from 100 million yeah. to 5 billion, it's it's tough to get a lot of research out there. And so, you know, even if you're some family office guy with a 10 million dollar position in some random company that just got hit, and you're trying to find out what really is going on and what do people really think is going to happen in six to 18 months. Yeah, what, what's interesting kind of is, is great. If you, if you if you listen to mainstream media and even Wall Street, if you read Wall Street research, oftentimes Wall Street is not talking about as you say, you know, kind of those smaller market cap companies, they're typically talking about bank, they're talking about, you know, the big banks, they're talking about big pharma. Uh, they're very, very biased towards larger market cap companies. And yeah. so they miss all of that, um, all that alpha opportunity at, at sort of the small and mid cap range, which is from where Goldman Sachs's vantage point. When you look at the fees they're going to generate from a 50 billion market cap versus a 500 million market cap, you can understand why they would almost want to pay no attention to the 500 million market. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize. No, they don't realize that. They don't significant. They don't, they don't also uh, maybe appreciate the conflicts of interest that exist with traditional Wall Street research. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, like, and it's worth kind of repeating this, but when Goldman Sachs says to buy shares of Snapchat um, or to buy shares of Twitter, you have to recognize that 
Twitter and Snapchat are both investment banking clients of Goldman Sachs. So they're never going to say anything too negative about To dumb it down for our viewers, it's like me saying, hey, Divya, I want to mow your lawn and I also want to rate your grass. So after you pay me to mow your lawn, I'm going to make a public rating that Divya's grass is A plus grass. (laughs) It's basically. Yeah, that that gets to it. You know, and I think that conflict of interest is something that um, uh, has been plaguing Wall Street like really since inception. Uh, but if you ask yourself, like, where do I go to get, you know, research where there is no conflict of interest, where the person who's contributing that content has skin in the game and, and where that content is, is, is highly rigorous, you want to go to professional money managers. It's just that before yeah. some zero, those guys were never sharing research in any kind of open way. And so we've really attacked that problem you know, over the last 10 years and, and built out this database as being one of a kind global, um, covering all market caps, all asset classes, and, and now delivering that to the masses for the first time, I think is, is pretty revolutionary. Last simple little question. Do you guys have a message board per stock so I could like look up forward and see what people are writing about it? Not public. Um, we do have a blog that um, you can access uh, if you're not a subscriber to SunZero. Um, but once you're in some zero, every idea you can think of as its own message board in the sense that, you know, there's the original, there's the initiating report, but then at the bottom of that report, um, members of the community have the opportunity to post comments, which you can read. So oftentimes those comments uh, are are sometimes more interesting than the original report because they reflect pushback from the community. I think I saw a report from Weston Quasha on SumZero, who's a really smart family office investor. And I was like, you know, wow, it's really great to see, you know, these individual investors actually, you know, write their opinion out because most of them just get paid and move on. And, you know, the, the reports. Yeah, just I mean, just, just to give you an example, um, in early 2020, I want to say like January of 2020, there was a guy who posted a long on GameStop when the stock was trading at under $4 a share. Really? This was now that's before, something that you need to get out there. That that is the number one reason to join. So this is before the whole this was before the whole, you know, short squeeze thing, you know, everything that happened in early 2021. Um, and and it's like if you had read that report and and followed up with that author and understood what his thesis was, you might have bought GameStop and been up, you know, 50x on your on your investment, um, and or, or 25x on your investment. And there are numerous examples like this where Wall Street is missing it. The main, you know, once it's in the news, it's already like game over. You know, like you've sort of missed the, you know, missed the opportunity. Yeah. And then the other thing that's interesting is that there's a lot of contrarian content on some zeros. So whereas, you know, if you go on, you know, um, TV and you see people like talk about. Tesla's going up, you know, whatever, it's up 100% this year or whatever. You might go on some zero and see that somebody short that stock uh, and, and, and learn why they think it, maybe it's a zero, you know, and, and, and what sort of the risks are associated with investing. So I think if you want to be, uh, if you want to have conviction behind your investing and be able to invest with size, not just like play money or not just doing this whole meme stock thing, but you want to put meaningful capital to work, you have to have done your homework and you really have to understand the situation. You have to know what intrinsic value is for a given name. 
And that's exactly what SumZero provides. But you guys uncloud the situation for a significant amount of equity that just isn't very well covered. And for serious capital that's investing in that equity, your resource is one that they really need to consider. Uh, David, this was a great I, I think so. I, I, there's no other place you can go to, um, I'm aware of on the internet. I've been thinking about it the whole 20 minutes we've been talking, and I've not really thought of a, a rival that you have. or kind There's, of there's no other place you can go to that has the depth of analysis available for a given idea combined with the breadth of coverage that we have where thousands of companies are written about. And, and I'm, I'm, it's and not by the way, I would urge you one last thing. You might want to consider some real estate coverage, maybe start inviting people to write individual opinions on deals. I mean, we're, we're, we, it's funny. We're, we're working with a, um, a real estate firm that you would recognize. Um, it's sort of like uh, real estate tech, but they're, they're going to be posting um, content on, some of their private equity deals, private equity deals, and, and just just private businesses in general is an area where I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to add to our research library and provide well, you can even talk more. To Yield Street, and you could just start providing, getting people to write on the deals that Yield Street's putting out for their clients, and so that would be just a kind of a cool roping. Uh, I just feel like you know Yield Street has all these deals, and people who invest in Yield Street, I mean, they've got millions of members. It's a way of just kind of opening up information to just people that isn't out there. But uh, anyway, David, this was a fascinating conversation. You're you're the best. Uh, you know, really appreciate your time, and uh, hope we get some tennis in the summer too. Sounds good. Thanks, Alex. Oh, pleasure is all mine.